0: Welcome to the Gardening Talk, back on 2NURFM. Greg Richard here, joined once again by Scott Sharp. Scott, great to see you back in the studio once again. Great to be here, as always. As always. What have you got lined up for us today? Great to be I'm actually, I'm out of the cold that's outside here <laughs> in, in the nice, warm air kind of Beautiful. It's beautiful. It's nice and warm inside, but what are we doing today, Scott? Yes, yeah, so I thought we'd talk about the
1: golden pender. It's a tree that's out in flower at the moment. It looks uh, fairly tropical, but it flowers at this time of year, so looking wonderful. Uh, winter veggies to plant. Woo-hoo, yep. Bruh, bruh, bruh. <laughs> <laughs> they're, not living, they're not living in the air con. And also, uh, did anyone go out and help their mum, like on Mother's Day, pruning plants or anything? Pruning plants. It was also a World New Gardening Day on Saturday. That's correct. I uh, got right into that. Did you really? Oh, well, no, it was a bit
0: too cold as well. <laughs> <laughs> Had to wait till it warmed up a little bit and That's, venture out. Yes. <laughs> and we've got Dave from Jewels, and he wants to spray the lawn for army grubs, but doesn't want to harm the magpies. Good afternoon, Dave. Uh, what's, what's happening out at Jules?
1: Pardon, Scott? Yeah, what's happening out at Jules, mate?
2: Oh, no, no, we've got a family of magpies that love our front yard, which is fantastic. But I'm worried about... Uh, we did spray for army grubs when we had them, but there's probably be bindis coming in the next... whenever they grow. And I, I don't want to spray because the magpies seem to be eating a lot of things in, in the front lawn. And
1: yeah, they will. And, and uh, apparently magpies have got fantastic hearing. Like incredibly oh. amazing hearing that they can hear things scrabbling around down and under, like earthworms and things. Well, they don't have
0: very big ears, though.
1: Well, no, I, I, <laughs> we'll, we'll jump on Google in a little bit, I, that, but I'll, I'll put it to you that uh, that magpies have fantastic hearing. So, if yeah, look, if you do go start, uh, you know, spraying for the army grubs, and it brings them up to the surface, which what you know usually happens. Unfortunately, the magpies will you know ingest the army grub, and you know then they'll start building up. You know, all those residual poisons in them as well. You know, it might not get them straight away, but unfortunately, it will get them over time. We don't want to do that. No. Yeah. No. So, look, it, the great thing is, though, if you've got the Maggies lurking around, uh, you know, your front lawn, you can just go out there with it, the, do the old soapy water trick. Uh, And drive those army, you know, just water that in, and drive the army grub up to the surface, and then the magpies will have a feast. So, I mean, it's sort of nature's way, you know, with a little bit of help uh, with the the detergent, the soapy water, uh, you know, getting them up and get getting rid of the army grub that way. So, that might be a way to do it. Uh, but, yeah, look, un- unfortunately, you are faced with that problem. If you do go and spray, uh, you know, you are going to drive those army grubs up to the surface and the, and the maggies will yeah. uh, ingest over time. So, yeah, you just have to be a bit careful about that.
2: Uh, and what about spraying for bindies, which will be coming in spring, I suppose? Well, that uh, do you think that'd be
1: okay to yeah. spray? Yeah, look, I don't think that's an issue. Uh, you know, spraying for bindies, uh, Their herbicides. Uh, generally, they're you know largely sort of salt based in a way, and they burn the uh, burn the weeds away. So that that oh. that's not an issue. Uh, I just say to people with you know their their pets, their dogs or whatever, just make sure that it's dry. You don't want it to be wet underfoot because they'll go out there, they'll get it on their paws and then probably, you yeah. know, lick that off. So same with your magpies, uh, you know, yeah. just try and do it at a certain time and, and, you know, keep them away for a while until it dries off.
2: Yeah, no, we're just lucky that we have a family that's been there for years that seem to love our front yard and I've seen them there. So I was just thinking I didn't want to spray anything that would harm them.
1: Yeah, look, and that's great. They're a very intelligent bird and great hearing. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, thanks okay. for that. good on thanks you. Thanks, Dave. Thanks for the call. Okay, bye. bye.
0: Apparently, they never forget a face either. Oh, or a, motor, or a, um, yeah, a bike helmet either. They yeah. don't like that. Oh, they don't like them. Oh, yeah. the, especially when you stick the little sticks out the side of it. Yeah, that's red rag to a bull. <laughs> <laughs> sure. We've got Greg now from a, a Bay, and he's got a question about these frangipani. Good afternoon, Greg. How can we help you? Yeah,
2: good afternoon. Um, we're in, a, in an area that uh, was flooded in March of last year. Um, and two franchipani of penny trees that have always gone well um, have come up The growth, the growth is very spindly. Um, the leaves are still new and unformed. Um, a few flowers have come out but immediately drop. I'm um, just wondering whether we should be pruning those back to get rid of that spindly
1: growth at this stage or wait till spring? With that, Greg, I'd be inclined to wait until spring and just see, you know, let the plant, uh, you know, go dormant, have a bit of a sleep and, and see what happens with it. Are they large plants?
2: Yeah, they're probably three to four metres. Um, but the one to two foot of growth that we've had over summer is very quite like, half the thickness of the previous growth. Um, and it's just the fact that it's still holding all of these little plumped in leaves mm. um, that aren't forming or
1: dropping or anything so and it's entirely possible that the plant is very stressed at the moment you know after flooding and we've just had you know continual rain as well uh that that you know it's entirely possible that's the case pruning it won't harm the plant but with a frangipani and in your case especially i would say don't if you are going to give it a prune give it a light prune but not all of the plant because you do destroy the shape of a frangipani uh, and it takes them a long time to come back so if you are going to give it a prune just try and you know go in there very selectively uh, prune out little bits and pieces so that it still retains the shape and then from those pieces you know those bits that you've pruned you'll get new growth coming back uh, on there it'll be slow it always is but uh, hopefully you know we'll fill out and just you know make the plant a little bit fuller for you again but I, I yeah. I'd be in the first instance I'd be, I'd be inclined to wait until spring let the plant have a snooze
0: and uh, see what happens
2: okay no that's
0: great advice. Okay, thanks very much for the call.
2: Okay, thank you. Bye-bye.
0: We've got Pam now from Waratah and she's got a rose and wants to know when she can lift it up to put more soil underneath it. Hello, Pam, how can we help you?
3: Oh, yes, I've got this rose that um, I've planted and with all that rain that we've had, um, the, the ground has um, dropped down quite a, a lot and the, the, it's sort of making a, a pool underneath the, uh, well, all around that little bit of a garrier in the garden and I thought if I could lift the rose up and put more dirt in it and make it higher, it wouldn't sort of um, well around the rose.
1: Yep, sounds like a, a very very good idea. Uh, so look, you could almost do that now. We've just had this uh, you know relative cold snap that I've been uh, complaining about <laughs> since I got here today. Uh, so the the rose is going to start to you know the roses are going to become more dormant as uh, you know the next couple of weeks and, and month co- goes along. So yes, it it, it is time to uh, if you want to to re uh, you know lift that rose or
3: oh, oh, re yeah re lift it.
1: Yeah, or, or look, you can wait as well if you want to, because uh, as I said, you know, June, July, it'll be incredibly dormant by then. No sap will be running through the plant. So, very safe time to do it then. I would say, though, that you could do it now. Uh, I, I don't think you're going to harm the plant by doing it now. Okay. Good okay, good luck with it. Do And uh,
3: put anything on it to help it, or like um, stress release, or, or fertilizer, or anything like
1: that. No, definitely no fertilizer. Plants get very stressed, uh, you know, when they're moved. So, adding fertilizer just you know adds to the stress in a way, it hasn't got the ability to you know suck that up and, and use it. So, I would just be doing your replanting uh, and then in you know, sort of. Like around mid-August, that first week of August, give it some poultry manure at that point in time when you do your normal
0: rose pruning.
3: Okay, thank you very much.
0: Okay, thanks for the call, Pam.
3: Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
0: We've got Glenn from Barundi, and he said the fruit on his orange tree is splitting.
3: Hey,
1: Glenn, how can we help you?
2: Yeah, good morning, Scott. How are you going?
1: Yeah, pretty well, pretty well.
2: Good, good mate. Yeah, I did speak to you probably nine months ago about a mandarin tree issue with that black thing on the leaves. Yes, uh, but anyway, that's a, that's beside the point. Look, mate, I've got two orange trees. My dad put them in probably th- 25, 30 years ago, so they weren't my planning and they're quite established. But on one of the orange trees, when the fruits grow into full size, but it's splitting, is that would that be because t- I, I use too much water or not enough?
1: Yeah, that's most probably going to be because of too much water uh, or just sort of almost inconsistency in watering. Tomatoes are especially susceptible to it as well Um, during the season. You know, if if they've been allowed to dry out and then they get a big burst of water, they suck it up and it goes to the fruit and splits the fruit. So oranges do the same thing as well. Um, another issue that um, citrus can get is they uh, you know, you can get a boron deficiency, and that can affect fruiting as well. Uh, it often, uh, you know, sort of shows up in the, in the rind. A
2: deficiency,
1: sorry? A, bor- a boron deficiency. It's it's fairly unusual. It often shows up in the rind of the fruit, and I'm wondering if that might be an issue for yours as well. Uh, but look, I, I just the in...
2: watering I do give it's um, sporadic. You know what I mean? I can't say I go out and water it every second day. I don't okay.
1: know if that
2: is part of the issue.
1: That could be the issue. I'd be giving it more consistent watering, uh, you know, a smaller amount every day uh, rather than going out and, uh, you know, it's dry, it's thirsty, all of a sudden it gets a big drink, uh, it soaks all of that up and that's when the fruit will split.
2: Being a cold climate, as you you may or may not know, Murrundi will get minus four or whatever in winter. Would that not have an
1: effect? Uh, look at the the uh, oranges like that. Cold. Um, that's you know you get that? beautiful okay. tasting fruit out of that. Uh, look, that said, uh, you know if you're starting to get frosts and things, it's going to burn any plant. A frost, as you know, probably yeah. will know living up there. Yep. Um, yep. So with a citrus, if you can cover that, uh, you know if you know you've got a frost coming that morning, uh, go out there and cover it or, or water it off at you know at dawn just to try and break that uh, that cycle of the frost settling on there.
2: Yeah. So back back to the splitting issue. It, it, there's not much I can do about it, I guess, other than try and water it more regularly, or not water it, or
1: yeah, that, that's correct. Watering it more regularly, smaller amounts, but more consistently, not going, letting it dry out, dry out, and then go and give it a big drink.
2: All right, mate. Look, one, one quick, one quick part of a question I might ask you before I go um, is: I thought fruit like that used to come out around about January, February, not so late in the in the year, i.e., April, May, that we're in now. Or am
1: I wrong? Yeah, look, and I think seasons are slowly changing. We're seeing that a lot with camellias at the moment. You know, they, they seem to come out earlier and earlier. Uh, I think yeah. it's the same with uh, with citrus fruit as well. Uh, yeah. You know, you'll find with lime and lemons that you know they're almost, you know, some, some of them will fruit, you know, almost all the time now, except for in, in the depths of winter. Yeah. Uh, but then you don't necessarily get them, you know, ripening off uh, as you want them to. But, uh, yeah. yeah, with, with your uh, orange, you want it to be setting fruit and going through those cold months, so it gets the nice chill and the taste to it.
2: Yeah. All right, mate, fair enough. I appreciate your time.
1: Okay, thanks. Love the uh, bellbirds in the background as well. It's <laughs>
2: yeah, it is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, you can hear them. That's pretty good. You yeah.
0: certainly can. Very nice. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Scott. Okay, see you, Glenn. Cheers, mate. Bye. Well, we've got Harvey now from Corlett's, and his lily-pilly has waxy white lumps on it. Oh, it. Doesn't sound good. Harvey, describe a little bit more what's happening.
4: Um oh uh, yeah Scott. Scott they're, they're waxy white lumps um that form on the branches in scattered areas. However on some branches they can be quite um, thick, prolific. And um we have seven of these uh lily pilly uh shrubs which are about getting towards a meter and a half high. And um uh, it's quite extensive, right through each one of them. And, um, yeah, I'm just wondering. Well, we've spent a lot of money on eco-oil and pyrethrum, and uh, it's still there. And, in fact, now what's happening, the, the leaves are developing a white, sticky substance on them, like a powder.
1: Yeah, you've, you've unfortunately got one of the, you know, just about the worst scale you can get. Uh, that big wax scale that you're describing, uh, very, very difficult to, uh, you know, to get the poison through that waxy, you know, big almost like marshmallowy lump that it is yeah. down into the little insect that's in underneath.
4: Yeah.
1: Uh, so the eco-oil, yes, it, it will work. Uh, pyrethrum on its own definitely won't. What I would recommend to you is getting some white oil and some Malathon and mixing those two uh, together and it, it makes what uh, you know we used to call anti-scale back in the day and that's quite effective. So what you do is you get your liter of water and you put uh, you know what you would uh, you know if you're going to mix up one liter of uh, white oil uh, solution and you put that into the uh, into the liter of water and then you mix up uh, if you're going to mix up one liter of malathon and put that into the into the one liter of water and then spray that around and what the what the white oil does is it permeates and breaks down that really sort of marshmallow yucky white scale that you've got and allows the uh, the chemical to permeate down through that and get the little insect that's sucking the sap out of the leaf uh, so look that that's most important that you go and do that and the other thing that happens is that the ants uh, bring uh, the uh, sooty mould up from the ground because they like feeding on the residue from the scale so you need to get rid of those as well you can just tie an old rag temporarily around the the base of the plant you know that might have been soaked in some kerosene for instance Uh, you just leave that on there for a day or so not too long and that'll scare the ants away they won't be very happy about it and then uh, later on you also then need to spray for that sooty mould with some copper oxychloride and that gets that under control but the main thing at the moment Is for you to get that malathon, that white oil, mix up that, uh, you know, one litre mixture or, you know, however much you need to mix up and uh, spray that on there. Be really liberal with it. So it's spraying, you know, running down through the plant, up and under as much as you possibly can. And then do that again in about a week's time. Fine.
4: Could I just get you to um, remind me of that sooty mould? Yeah, so
1: you get you yeah. get sooty mold it's a, it's a black uh, sort of uh, looking it's almost like you know someone's just sprinkled uh, you know charcoal or something all over over the plant and what that does is it cuts down on the uh, the ability of light to get through so the photosynthesis of the plant slows right down and you can see it, be, it gets into this sort of death spiral where it's got the, uh, the scale insect sucking the sap out of the leaf it's got the sooty mold slowing down the photosynthesis so the plant's just you know going further and further into a stasis uh, it, you know, It gets much more unhealthy, so you need to break both of those cycles, getting rid of the scale and getting rid of the sooty mould that comes along with the scale.
4: Okay, and to get rid of the sooty mould, you just tell me about that again? Yeah,
1: you need a, a product called copper oxychloride. It's a, a fungicide, and you mix that up and just spray that over. You'll find that sooty mould will just dry up and peel off over time. You can hose it off if you want to, uh, once it's all dry, but uh, really the, the copper oxychloride does the job for you.
4: Okay, and and with the um, mix of white oil and melathon,
1: yes, would
4: that be done on a regular basis, or leave it, spray it and for uh, and leave it for a month or a week, or
1: yeah. with, with a uh, scale infestation like the sounds you've got, I'll be doing it, uh, you know, now and then again in two weeks' time, just to try and really get
0: on top of that.
4: Thanks, Scott. That's okay, great. thanks so much.
1: Thank you very much. Good
0: luck with it, Harvey.
4: Thank you very okay. much.
0: Bye bye. And we've got Pauline from the Garden Suburb, and she's got a magnolia that she wants to cut right, cut it right back without killing it. Pauline lives in the Garden Suburb; she should know all
3: the, all the answers already. <laughs> oh, I
0: doubt it. Uh, right,
1: what's your question, then, Pauline? We'll see how we go.
3: Well, the magnolia is probably between ten and fifteen feet high, and it completely shades. The vegetable garden so something's got to go and it'll be easier to take the probably I don't know eight feet or so off the magnolia than trying to move the veggie garden so I just wondered if it would kill it if I cut it you know at least half back.
1: What sort of magnolia have you got Pauline?
3: the big white flowered
1: one. Um, oh, like one of the Magnolia Little Gems or?
3: Yes, yes, the Little Gem, that's it. And it's just gone berserk. It's huge.
1: Yeah, so, so the, the great thing about those Magnolia Little Gem varieties, uh, you know, and the ones like it, uh, is that they're very prunable. People keep them in hedges as well. Uh, oh, okay. I've seen them pruned, you know, very, very heavily back, and they will still come, you know, good for you. So I think you taking eight foot off the top of yours is not going to do it too much harm. You might just find that the shape will be lost a little bit. Is going to be the only thing. So oh, wow. you <laughs> might just want to try, you know, when you're doing that, just to shape up the plant a little bit uh, by giving it, a, you know, some shears, you know, around the edge, just to try and it's give tight. it that, yeah. uh, that conical yeah. look again. But they do come back. Uh, and they, they do regain their shape, but, uh, you know, it won't be doing it very quickly. That's why I'm just saying, you know, reshape it with the shears to give it that conical appearance.
3: Okay, thank you. And if I take the, the amount off that I need, um, can I keep sort of trimming it each year so that it, you know, it'll stay a smaller tree?
1: Yes, you certainly can, uh, and and I think if you're doing that more regularly, you'll be you know you'll keep the shape uh, a whole lot better than if you just t- you know sort of going in there and hacking away at it and taking the whole top of it off. Uh, so yeah, regular pruning is great. You can, like I said, you can use them for hedging, and people do, uh, you know. So you can give them the old uh, short back and sides, and uh, they uh, do look very very good. Uh, and you can time your pruning as well so that the uh, the flowers still show up on them. Uh, so, yeah, look, a pretty versatile plant, in fact.
3: Uh-huh. So could I do it now or is it the wrong time?
1: The only reason I would say it's the wrong time now in uh, is that it just won't grow back as much as you want it to uh, for the next two or three months until we get back to spring. So I would be inclined to leave it now until, say, the first week of August. Uh, you know, late July and then give it a prune uh, because you know that the growing season's on its way. You're not going to have to wait too mm. long for it to uh, to regain its shape. Uh, at the moment, if you do it, you'll have a, you know, a fairly bare, ugly-looking plant. That said, uh, if you need some sunlight on your veggie patch, you might as well go out and do it now. Uh, it, it won't harm the plant. It's just, uh, you know, it's about the aesthetics of it.
3: All right, then. Thank you, Scott.
0: Okay. Thanks very much. Thanks for the call, Pauline. Bye. Bye-bye. We got Barry from Brookfield, and he wants to plant some citrus. Good afternoon, Barry.
4: Good afternoon, Scott. Yeah, I'm looking to put in some citrus, some orange, mandarin, probably a fig, and plum. You know, and I'm just wondering—is the right time of the year to be putting them in now?
1: Yeah. Look, I've got a rule of thumb. Uh, You know, here in the in the Hunter, you know, the Newcastle region, uh, you can plant virtually. All year round, uh, you know, getting plants into the ground, uh, like citrus, you know, figs, the ones you've been describing, plums. Great time to go out and get plums at the moment because you get a great, uh, you know, varied choice uh, at your garden centre. So good idea to do that at the moment. The only time I say don't plant, uh, you know, here in Newcastle in the Hunter is, uh, you know, around that January, February period when it just becomes scorching hot. You know, from one January through until mid-February, because the plants just go backwards. But otherwise, middle of winter, yeah, you can certainly plant here in Newcastle. Uh, The root system will spread itself out. So by the time you get to September, October, November, it's a plant that's, uh, you know, semi-established and and ready to go through those really hot months.
4: Okay. Um, Also, the soil up there is very ordinary. I was looking at probably building it up a bit and then planting them. What would you sort of suggest
1: I use? Uh, I would just go to your, you know, your local landscape supply with your trailer or your ute. Uh, you know, gets get a good, uh, you know, load of soil. Uh, a lot of soils that you buy are packed out with poultry manure because it's cheap, uh, but that's great because citrus uh, plants love uh, poultry yeah. manure, so they're going to be really, really happy in that. So. Uh, They like well-drained conditions as well, so building it up is also going to be a plus for the citrus, so you're in a bit
0: of a win-win position there.
4: Oh, thank you very much for that, Scott. Much appreciated.
0: Okay, good luck with it, Barry.
4: Thank you. Cheers, mate.
0: We've got Pat from Lawn, and she's got a question about crepe myrtles and camellias. Good afternoon. Pat, how can we help you with them?
5: Um, At the moment, the crepe myrtles are dropping dirty leaves, and everything's getting very sticky. Our garbage bins are underneath. The uh, plants underneath are getting dirty as well. All our, um, what do you call, frangipannies, are all getting brown and, yeah, not looking nice at all. Yeah. What's
1: going on. Yeah, unfortunately, it is the time of year. Uh, so the, you, you've described crepe myrtles, uh, frangipannies, deciduous trees. Uh, they are going to lose their leaves at this time of year. Not much we can do about that, I'm afraid. Uh, no, but
5: they sticky, sticky um, stuff they're
1: dropping down, it's like dirty uh, Well, look, unless you've got some uh, sooty mould uh, on, on those plants uh, I know uh, for instance, I was uh, up at a place at Cessna quite recently, up around the airport, and uh, they had um, some crepe myrtles that they'd planted in their landscaping up there, and they were infested with scale and sooty mould, so that could be the case on yours as well Uh, Now, to do that, you need to be spraying. You can get some eco-oil, some uh, white oil, and that will get the scale under control. Uh, And then you need to get some copper oxychloride and use that as well, Uh, you know, about a week after you've sprayed for the scale, and that will get rid of the sooty mould for you. But otherwise, you're just going to have to employ the rake at the moment to clean it up until you can get rid of those pests and disease. But it's on our
5: neighbours as well. It seems to be all around this area.
1: Well, look, and, that, and that's entirely possible. Uh, scale and, and sooty mould are just, uh, you know, they're fungal spores or little insects uh, oh. that just are born around by the wind. So if your neighbour's got it, uh, yeah, look, it's uh, entirely possible it would be on yours. Uh, equally, you know, what's on yours can be spreading around to the next place. But the best thing you can do is try and keep that under control at your own house.
5: Okay. Yeah, the other one is the camellias. It's really strange. I've got three in a row. One. Will come out beautiful white, the other one will come out like a little rose, but the middle one only come, the buds come out about halfway and then stop.
1: Ah, uh, right, okay. Well, the, <laughs> and they're all side by side, are they?
5: Yes, they are.
1: <laughs> all, all I can suggest is giving some feed, uh, you know, additional feed to that middle plant. Uh, there's sulphate of potash. Uh, look, unfortunately, it's a bit late for that now. Your sasankas are out, you know, they've butted up their they're flowering at the moment so a little bit late for that but I would be building that sulphate of
0: potash up in the soil over the rest of the year.
5: Okay sounds good.
0: Okay thank you for the call.
5: Thanks Scott. She's
0: Bye. We've got time for a couple more callers and we've got Margaret from East Maitland and she's got a question about Agapanthers. Afternoon Margaret how can we help?
3: Uh, yes Scott um, I'm wondering when should you cut the flowers off your Agapanthers?
1: Yeah, so you can cut them off once you know all the the nice uh, you know the colors dropped off them, and usually they'll just go back to a seed pod at that point in time. Uh, if you want to, you can cut those uh, seed pods off. You can collect the seeds as well if you want to, uh, not not impossible. You just get a a bag of some sort, like a mesh bag that can breathe, and tie that around the top of the seed pod, and then they'll drop off and fall into that mesh bag, and you can collect them over time if you want to, and uh, distribute them around if people want them.
3: Oh, okay then. Thank you very much for that. I'll go out and chop them off
5: now.
0: (laughs) Okay. Thanks very much. Bye. Bye, Margaret. We've got Ross from Singleton. He's got a couple of questions for us. Firstly, about the mop top. Hello, Ross. That's not not the haircut. It's neat. We're not talking about the Beatles. (laughs) (laughs) Hello,
1: Ross. How can we help?
2: G'day. How are you? I've got two trees in the backyard, a mop top and a geisha girl. When is the best time to
1: prune them and how severe? Yeah, so with your mop top, it's a deciduous uh, Robinia. Uh, I would wait until it's dropped all of its leaves off. So, you know, around mid-July is the time to give that uh, the prune when it's uh, dormant. Uh, Mate, you can go as hard as you want with those. I've seen fully grown mop tops be reduced back down to like almost a basketball uh, size. Might not be entirely possible with yours, uh, but... You can be very, very severe with a deciduous tree like that. Now, with your geisha girl, that's a type of geranta. I would wait until, uh, again, start, you know, mid-August to do that, because if you cut it back now, you just won't have very much growth uh, coming through on it. And any new growth that comes through might be susceptible to being burnt uh, by frost. So I noticed you're up there in Singleton. So, yeah, you just have to be careful about that. So I would wait with the geisha girl until, uh, yeah, mid-August and then give it a very heavy cutback. Again, with those, you can be just about as hard as you want to.
2: My final question is that when's a good time to transplant a lime tree? It's only small.
1: Yes, so you could probably do that now if you wanted to. Uh, just make sure you take as much soil as you can with it. Uh, you know, don't drag it out of the ground. Use your spade to cut. You know, very carefully around the plant. Uh, you don't want to try and dislodge any of those fine little hair roots uh, that are in the soil. Uh, if you do have to uh, cut any roots, don't tear. Always just get the secateurs or a saw and uh, cut through them nice and cleanly.
2: Thank you.
1: Have a good day. Okay. Make sure you keep on watering it as well, even though it's cool. Uh, that plant, once it's uh, you know transplanted, needs some love and care.
2: she's going to do that this afternoon,
1: I think. <laughs> I expect so too, but it will need a bit more than that over, over the next couple of weeks, Ross.
2: Thank you.
0: Thanks for your time. Thanks, mate. Bye-bye. We've got time for one more call, and we've got Joanne from Lambton, and she's calling about... I can't pronounce that word. I don't think it's pronounced exactly how you think it's pronounced. Uh, We're going to call it a fuchsia, right? <laughs> yes. Okay, good. I was making sure that I just I didn't I, want—I to...
1: <laughs> didn't want to see you dive in their boots and all, and make a horrible mistake. <laughs> Hello, Joanne. How can we help you? Yes,
3: I've got uh, fuchsias that have got little green caterpillars eating them.
1: Oh, and right. they—they'll love those as well because fuchsias are just so uh, sort of soft and tender. Uh, so you're going to have to get rid of those green caterpillars uh, There is a product out there called Dipel It's sort of a bioinsecticide insecticide for caterpillars in particular uh, So you can get that, you mix it up and spray that around And right. uh, sure as anything it will get rid of those caterpillars for you
3: Okay, also grasshoppers I've noticed are on them as well Yes, they'll,
1: yeah, they'll love those too uh, Again, because it's nice and soft Grasshoppers are much more problematic to get rid of uh, look, the, the best I can suggest for that is using Malathon, for instance. Uh, but a, again, they, they really, they see you coming and they'll just take off and or they'll see you coming and they'll sort of move around the plant and get in different positions so they're out of harm's way. Uh, so look, they are very difficult to get rid of uh, grasshoppers. You might even try you know, some pyrethrum if you want something a little bit sort of softer and safer. Uh, rather than using a but they are a very difficult uh, insect to keep under control and they do a lot of damage.
5: Okay, thanks very much for that.
1: Okay, good luck with okay. it, Joanne.
5: Thank you. Okay, bye-bye.
0: Bye. Well, grasshoppers, nearly have to hunt them yourself, don't you? Yeah, remember, I'm always about the old scissors. Just walking around with the scissors. It's, it's pretty impressive, though, to, to creep up on a grasshopper.
1: Well, you know, I, I sort of camouflage myself <laughs> full <for> green. <laughs> you,
0: know, to, you know, they don't make any noise. Just pop up right at the last minute. Yep, and just go, schnippo. Scotch it up. Thank you very much. We'll catch you again next Monday. Talk to you then.